And clear of the closing doors, please. What up, son? What up? Grind and pivot, Louis Max, Queens, New York. Today, in the house, we have a gentleman who was part of every guy's fantasy in New York City. Every guy. And I'm talking about the legendary Sonny Coates. My brother, how are you? I'm great, Louis. Thank you for having me on. Excellent, man. I'm so happy to have you. I've been wanting to talk to you for such a long time. I mean, there might be some people out there, you know, our age or a little older or younger that said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know this fucking guy. I know who this guy is. Where can I place him? You were at the legendary Scores nightclub in New York City back in the day. How did you get that gig? That's correct. Tell us, what did you have to do to actually get a gig like that? Well, it, it kind of happened in an odd way because I had gotten in a little bit of trouble. I, I had just, you know, sort of gotten out of that trouble. I was home and uh, I was working in a gym in the Bronx, you know, training people, helping people, because that's always been part of, of my life. And one of the guys I was helping out said to me, uh, you want to do some part-time work? And I said, yeah, sure. What do you got? He said, well, I know you worked at clubs all your life. You want to come downtown and work for some people I know with scores. I had heard of scores. I didn't know all the uproar at the time. To me, it was just another fucking nightclub, you know? So I said, sure, I'll, I'll go. And uh, brought me down there. And like within two or three days of, of working little, little shit stuff, they said, yeah, we want you to come every night. I said, what? They said, yeah, you come every night. Said okay, I know why they wanted me to come every night because one of the things they had me do was work the coat check, and the coat check that generates, my man, I can't even imagine the amount of money, but it's 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 in the hundreds of thousands of dollars by the end of the year because you're talking about five dollars for a coat, five dollars for the guy's umbrella, five dollars you know for his briefcase, and bro, nobody got past me. It was, it was mandatory. Now, uh, did people bitch and moan occasionally? Yeah, they give me a little, little run around and I'd say, look, you want me to look at my boss? Well, who's your boss? And I point to the guy sitting at the table. They said, that's all right. I'll check my coat. (laughs) You know, they, listen, you're walking in there with half a heart on already. You want to see the girls. Everybody's goal is to try to pull a girl out of there and get laid which very rarely happens unless you're, you're financially secure, you know? So they check their coats and then they go about their business. Right. So you, you work in the, you work in the coat check. So, you know, I got to tell you, I, I love the name. It's quintessential uh, New York to me. I love it. What, um, how did you get, how did you get the name? Obviously because of what you were doing, but who gave you that name? How did it come about? How did it like stick? Well, Here's what happened. As a, as, a, as a little boy, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, she had wanted to name me Sonny James. But my father and his father, when they saw me when I was born in their little, what that, little plastic case they put you in when you're born, I had on a hat and everything else. My grandfather looks at my father and says, he looks like a fucking stevedore, you know, a dock worker, like a longshoreman. That's what they thought 
I looked like at birth. So it became a little congested with my families. You know, my mother's family liked the Sonny James. My father wanted Stevedore James, whatever the case. Anyway, so my mother's family knew me as Sonny. That was their sort of nickname for me. I go and I work at Scores, and I'm using Sonny because that's my nickname, and everybody calls me that. We have a huge brawl this night, and not sure what we're going to do because, I mean, one of the guys is in a coma that was involved in this brawl. And they, the other people started this brawl. Don't get me wrong. Nobody there was a headhunter. Nobody was there. It's, it's a classy place. You're not looking for trouble. Right. So what happens? People but occasionally get all, you get a jerk off who up. wants to start trouble. Yeah. People get all fucked up. And, uh, they, and Yeah, they get a little bit. They can't handle their high. Let's be honest. They couldn't handle their high. And this guy took a beating. So we all had to sort of not go to work for a little while. You know how that works. You can't really be there because you know that this guy's in a hospital, somebody's going to come and try to find out what happened. So from that point on, I didn't want to use my full government name. So I just used Sonny and everybody stuck with Sonny. The guy finally made it out of the coma, by the way. Good, 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 good. So uh, who, who termed you with Sonny Coates? You know, when somebody is involved in that lifestyle, usually they get pinned with a nickname according to what they do. You know, <laughs> the guy works in a fish market and his name is Tony. He becomes Tony Fish. Right. You know, guy, guy runs numbers. Guy runs numbers. Right. Guy runs numbers. Tony right. numbers. <laughs> right. right. Guy pumps gas. He's Tony Gas. <laughs> right. I ran the coat check. Sonny Coats. There you go. Right. Makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. Not, not that difficult, but I get it. But it's so perfect. Right. It's just so perfect. Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. So what was just the best happens. part? What, what was the best part of the gig? What was the best part of the gig? After you were, you went to coach and then you went, you went to the door, right? So tell us how that kind of happened. Well, I'm working the code check and I'm doing a good job. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm an earner. You know, I'm making these people a lot of fucking money every night. And believe me, in the summertime, I don't give a fuck. You got a hat, check it. Okay, we can't get $5 for you for a coat. I'm going to get you for the hat. <laughs> and they loved me for that. Never had beef. They loved me for that. Hat, well, you can't go in with that scarf. What do you mean? No, you got to take the scarf off. Five dollars. Go over there. And everybody would do it, you know? So they, they were happy because I, I, I made them a lot of money. A lot. It's all cash. Let's talk about Sunny Coats. Did you ever, do you ever fall, anybody ever fall for you? You ever, even for one night, I mean, you're, you're watching, you got the bird's eye view. You are kind of on the inside. You're part of the team. Was that like a line to ever right. cross? Did it ever, uh, did it really ever happen? I mean, this is what people think. I know that. Well, he, he, here's the truth though, all of that. You're obviously going to have a different type of relationship with the dancers than a customer because you're both, you're, you're all employees. There's a different trust level, <clears throat> but the girls that worked there when I worked there, they were there for their money and they weren't given anything away for free. Nothing, not a phone number, not a dinner date, not ask, nothing. I certainly didn't have the bank accounts that these customers have, you know, not even close. So when I had a relationship with anybody there, it was very brief, very quick. It was just more or less uh, that attraction, momentary attraction. Right. I mean, one time I did, I don't want to say it's a scumbag thing that I did, but a girl wanted to leave early. 
And we kind of had made eyes at each other and liked each other. So, you know, I, I banged her in the air conditioning room, you know, and then I let her go home. <laughs> but it didn't cost me anything. Classic. So what was the worst part of, of working there? I mean, if you went from the top of the line, I mean, we'll get into a couple other things. But if you had to say, you know, what was a real uh, con, a real, a real downside? Because people all think that it's all... Uh, you know, everything's like beautiful. Everything's great. What was the toughest part? In that kind of like atmosphere, because you're working on a tip basis, you know, you have your salary and your salary is always minimal because they know you're going to get tipped. It, it gets a little bit, I don't want to say cutthroat, but there's a little bit of animosity with the other people who work there. If you're making money and they're like, yeah, that's my section. How did you make that tip? That kind of stuff. Oh, they're okay. So for me, I was friendly with the head people there. I never let anybody give me any shit. As soon as they did, I'd say, yo, go talk to him. Go talk to them. Go talk to them. Because I knew they weren't going to come and say anything to me. I'm making them a fortune. Of course. They want to leave me alone and let me do what I'm doing. Right, right. And and that was the only, you know, like between the workers sometimes, maybe a little bit over a tip. But there was so much money. How could you do that, you know? Right, right. Now, there were scores of celebrities that came through. Uh, scores of celebrities. No pun intended. Yes. Wow. There were many guys. I, I know right. I was a big Howard Stern back fan, and he used to always talk about scores. Um, did he, was he really in the middle and did they, of uh, soaking it up with all the, all the people there and, and, and his crew? Did they come in there? This is the way the Howard Stern thing went, okay? He would come in off hour. In other words, he would do his show in the morning, per se, and come in at like lunchtime with his crew of guys. He would be given dollars and funny money or some, you know, some number, whatever it was, so that his friends and him could go crazy. They would let the girls who wanted to work early, you know, come in and work early and make that money. And then they would let them not have to pay house fee. It was a trade off. If they worked the Howard Stern party, they didn't pay house fee that night. Now, he would come in and do his thing. I never worked when he was there because I was sleeping during the day because I'd worked for four or five in the morning. So I, I wasn't going to be there at noon. But the girls all said, you know, they get a little stupid, but it's a lot of money. So what the hell? And they would do it. I never heard anybody say anything negative about him ever. You know, he was always, quote unquote, a gentleman, you know come in, let his guys go nuts. You know, he was married. He didn't go nuts. I mean, obviously he'd look, you know, yeah. but I never heard anything negative or bad about him. Right, right. I believe it kind of happened sort of by accident that he just started coming there and he was treated well and he kept coming. Got you. On the other side. Now you got to understand something. Yeah, go ahead. The people that listened to his show and would come to the club Sometimes we'd have real problems because they weren't wealthy guys. And they'd come in and they'd order two or three beers and here comes the bill. What do you mean $15 for a beer? My man, if you didn't have the $15 for a beer, why the fuck did you come in here? Yeah. You didn't think to yourself, let me get one beer and pay for that and see what it cost me with a tip? Right, right. Exactly. I mean, this now, is, this is now high end. This your is mouth high, it off. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. You're running your mouth. You might get a beating on top of being thrown out. 
Don't be a fucking jerk off. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And that would happen sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that place was more, you know, high end. I mean, they might have been better off staying at Gallagher's, you know, or somewhere. Uh, or, or, uh, well, you're a Queens guy, candle, so you know Candlewood Inn. Candlewood Inn. <laughs> even before that. Even before that. Or the Jackson yeah. Heights Clubs. Wiley's. <laughs> yeah. You, you had other clubs. You had Cityscape out there at that time. And you had yeah. uh, Scandals across the street from Cityscape. Yeah, Scandals, and I had worked at Cityscape, so I know all those clubs. Right, right, right. Yeah, different game, different game completely. Uh, so Stern was a good guy, which I'm glad to hear. Entirely different. What was uh? Yeah. How about some of the big? How how about some of the big boys that came in there that were uh not that came through, but were not really generous? Could you give us a tea, a little tea on that? I think that most people. This is New York, right? So most people understand that. In the service industry, you got to take care of people. Somebody's presenting a service to you. You don't just turn your back and walk away. You don't do that. That's a scumbag move. Even if, listen, I treated everybody like they were a wise guy. Whether the guy at the end of the night gave me a $5 bill, a $50 bill, or a $100 bill. Why? Because I wanted that guy to come back because maybe next time that $5 bill turns to a 10 or a 20. Right, exactly. So I was always kind to everybody. Right, so it's real service. You know? Yeah, I mean, I was a waiter for many, many years, so I know that game. Yeah, you got to play that game right. Yeah. Yeah, but as a waiter, you could piss on their food if they were assholes. I can't, <laughs> there's nothing for me to do to these people. You know, that'd be nice to your waiter. That's right, always. You could, yeah, that's right. That's true. That's true. That's very funny. So, so anybody you care to say, anybody out there that was, you know, a guy who had, you know, had big, big butts that was uh, only putting his hand in to scratch his nuts? Most of the guys who had big bucks, you know, I don't know if you can do this, but I, I can smell money on a person. I can see it. Sometimes you look at their shoes, you look at their watch, their suit, the way they carry themselves. You know, don't, you can tell who has and who doesn't have, you know, and nobody who had was ever really a, a blatant scumbag to me. There were guys who would get tell me, listen, I'm going to take care of you at the end of the night. And they were drunk as shit and they leave and they don't remember. But gotcha. then you get another guy who you didn't think is going to tip you and he hands you $200 and you're like, all right, that made up for the scumbag who didn't tip me. Right. So you right. just never know. You never really know. Right. How, how many brawls did you get into there? I mean, you said it was real hot there a lot of times. I mean, people were kind of shooting their mouths off. Were, you, were there some classic brawls there that you really had to deal with? Every now and then there'd be a, a, a couple of, you know, a couple of guys throwing hands, you know, from time to time. There was only one. Like I said, there was only one bad fight there one night when I was there. And, and that was because, you know, people just didn't listen. You know, they didn't. There are certain rules in life that you have to follow. And there's certain rules in clubs. If you go to the club, this is the rule. But if you don't abide by that rule, you're going to get taken out. It's very simple. Yeah, pretty common sense. Right. And this one night, you know, we had that incident that I mentioned before. And a guy winds up in a coma. Didn't have to happen that way. You didn't want to check your coat. You didn't want to take your hat off. You thought you were a tough guy. Then you mouthed off to people who you do not want to mouth off to. And what do you think is going to happen? You know, welcome to the real world. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, that is pretty crazy. Um, they had a restaurant at Scores, right? Was the food any good? Restaurant was amazing. Fucking amazing, bro. Really? Amazing. And yeah. I mean, it was 
truthfully, I think it was five-star gourmet restaurant at one time when I was there. They had given it five stars, you know? Food was always good. Food was always very good. Atmosphere is good. You know, you got a group of guys at one table here that are living that lifestyle. Over here, you may have uh, Mickey Rourke and, and some other celebrities eating. And over here, you have a couple of the girls eating. And, you know, it was just good atmosphere most of the time. You know, very po positive, upbeat. Cool. Let's talk about the girls a little bit. Okay. Um, Interested, you know, the names of the girls, the, you know, of course they change their name. They have some classic names, of course. I mean, always, always. Yeah. I mean, oh, the names are great. The names really are great. But um, I asked earlier about you getting involved with any, but more than that, really, uh, did you ever get to really like, you know, talk to them and, and, and get an idea of, you know, where they were really coming from? I know they're there to make money, obviously, but, yeah. You know, there's a, you ever get into them like a little on the psychology end of trying to just kind of figure out where their heads were really at while they were there? A little bit. Well, one of the things that happened, which was which was it, for my benefit too, my son was very young at that time. And some of the dancers had met my son, like I would sneak him into score so we could see some tits, you know, when he was like five and six years old. I, I hope it's too late now for, for Child Welfare Bureau to come after me. You know, he'd always say, Dad, take me, take me. So I would take, you know, I'd sneak him in a little bit. And a couple of the girls would help me out. Like if I was going to go on a date, I'd say, look, can you watch my son tonight for me? Blah, blah, blah. I'm going on a date with so-and-so. Yeah, no problem. Really? So my son actually, yeah, this is some crazy shit. My son is being taken care of one night by a friend of mine named Tracy, okay? Tracy's from Texas, a double wide kind of family living home, you know, the trailer, the whole thing, but really stand up girl, a real stand up girl. Her best friend is a girl named Stacy. Tracy, Stacy, okay? Stacy is Dennis Rodman's girlfriend. So here's my son, at night with these two girls while they're talking to Dennis Rodman or this or that. And my son is in the middle of this mix. So I got to know those two girls and another girl very well because they helped me out with my son. And I think that for the most part, it's almost like they're in limbo. Okay. They know they're there to make money and they make a ton of money. Do with that money. They don't know where to go with that money. You know, in other words, you're working just to work and pay rent in New York. There's got to be something else to it. Maybe some of them were hoping to catch a sugar daddy or a husband. Right. Yeah, I'm sure they were, right? Because that would happen did. sometimes. You that know, would happen. There right? as well. Right. Yeah. There was, I remember there was this one girl, she's eating dinner with this guy. And the guy walks her outside. And parked outside was, I think they had just started making Volkswagens again. They had brought them out again out from when they stopped making them or whatever. Yeah, and there's a beautiful Volkswagen outside with this big red bow on it that he bought her. Guy bought a chick a car. He probably wasn't even getting laid. Probably wasn't even getting a blowjob. And he buys her a car. <laughs> you got to be out of your fucking mind. I know. I know. 
It's crazy. That is crazy. You know, I mean, men are suckers for ass. I was just going to say, bro. I was just going to say, I mean, we, I'm asking you about the girls. I mean, the, the guys, you know, they really are in another world. They, they really, really think that they're going to change. They don't understand. You know, they really just don't understand the game. It's mind boggling, you know, what the money will do to the brain and then what, what they're looking at altogether. You know, there, there are guys who have lost everything. That's How could you fucking give up your life for this piece of ass? Excuse me. Who doesn't give a fuck about you? Right. The money you're giving her, she's giving to her boyfriend at home so he can go buy some PlayStation fucking games while she works. <laughs> you yes. know? No, no. It's, it, it's, He's home babysitting her kid. Get this he's home babysitting her kid that she had from somebody else and in order for him to stay there and be in that relationship to babysit she comes home with some money buys him some playstation games gives him a blowjob they fall asleep next day it's back to the same bride what kind of money were they That's what, kind of, what kind of money were they making back then the girls give just you know give an quick idea there were girls who were probably pulling in a grand and a half two grand three grand in a night on a good night okay yeah. And you got to remember, there may be 50, 75 girls working. So imagine the amount of money that's being turned over if the worst girl is leaving there with $500, which is a ton of fucking money. That's a week's worth of work for a normal chick. Yeah, for sure. She's leaving there with 500 in the night. But the A-class chick, she's leaving there with 2500 and possibly a dinner date the next night where she told the guy i'm not going to eat dinner with you unless you give me a grant of course of course so that's a good that's right. a good that's now, not a good question you just who the, who the fuck's gonna pay a girl to go out for dinner i know who's gonna do that people do it i you know you, you brought up a good point now i'm thinking about it what made the difference between the the low end to the high end I mean, because every, you know, there's something for everybody. So what, what was really, give us the rundown on that. Give that's one right. secret you might be able to give us here. I think what happens. All right. Part of it is obviously the experience of having done it because once you get the groove, you know, as a chick who works in one of these clubs, you know, the language, you know, the walk, you know, how to turn your head and look, you know how to fish. You don't get that right away. In the beginning, when a girl is a rookie or just really coming into the business, they're kind of lost. And they sort of have to follow other girls around. And you see what starts to happen, which is funny, is that these girls that are new, they make some money, but they're going to the shitty guys. The shitty guys know they're new. And the girls who are new know that these are shitty guys, but that's where they got to start to get their money. Because the A-class chicks, they're not going to let you just walk over and start talking to their guy and start taking their money. Fuck you. Uh, interesting. Any of the girls go into porn or escorting that you knew of or they didn't need to? Yeah. Well, let, let's be honest. Stripping and escorting are like brother and sister. They're very <laughs> right. close. You know? You're already... You're taking your clothes off. You're grinding on a guy's lap in a lap dance. It's you're not. You're a half a step away. 
Let's be honest. You're half right. a step away. Now you can tell yourself, oh, I'm not a hooker. I don't do that. No, but you just grab the guy's Johnson and you're grinding on him. And then you're going to take a wipe. Clean yourself up. Fuck you. <laughs> Excellent. That's fantastic. How, how do you think, uh, how do you think the industry's changed from then to now? You know, now you kind of looking back at it. How, how do you think it's changed? Well, here's what happened. The internet changed everything. All right. Most guys, they say to themselves, all right, I'm going to go to the club, have a few drinks, maybe see if I can meet somebody, maybe get a quick blowjob, whatever the case may be. I'm willing to spend 500 for that. Okay. Now, Lou, you got to understand this. You go to a club, you meet a chick there. Before she even thinks about fucking around with you, you probably spent a grand on her, you know, or close to it, pretending you have a foreplay. You know what I'm saying? You get to the room or you get her outside of the club and she says, look, we're not going anywhere. I want another grant. Well, now the guy's stoned. He's got a heart on. He's already been teased to that point. <laughs> he goes to the ATM. He's getting that other thousand dollars. Right. They've, he's been worked. He's been worked already. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, bro, it can happen to a guy who thinks he's not going to get worked. Well, they all think, they all think they're not going to get it. I listen. They all go in there saying, right. I'm going to make the change. I'm not going to fall for it. Right. But it's that urban legend like, yeah, I got a stripper and now she's my wife. Buddy, don't do that. Don't, don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Yeah, I mean, very don't rare, right? Mean. Very, very Home rare. Home and work are two different things. Yeah, you know anybody that Extremely actually rare. did score? You know anybody that actually kind of was doing it and met somebody and and uh, went on to, I don't know, be met, not be married, but just have a relationship and kind of dump, dump the business? You know anybody that happened to? Well, yeah, a lot of times, like, you got to understand, a lot of these girls were not from New York. They were from out of town. Good talent comes from out of town. New York has great talent, but good talent does come from out of town. Different flavors from whether you got Vegas or Texas or, you know, a lot of Texas broads. So I think what starts to happen is you get such an array of girls and talent that almost every night you could pick it. It's, it's like going to Baskin and Robbins. You got a chance for 31 flavors. It's the same thing at these clubs. Now, what happened with the internet is that a guy says, <coughs> I go to the club, there's a little bit of a paper trail. God forbid my wife finds out. I go to the club, I pay all cash, maybe there's no paper trail. But it, it cost me money to get in, money to check my coat, money for drinks, money to talk to this girl, and I'm still not sure I'm going to get laid at the end of the night. Guy goes on the computer, sees a girl just as pretty as her, and the girl's coming to your house for $200, $300. And then she's gone. There's no trail. There's no trace. Thank you. See ya. Right. You still in touch with anybody? Any of the girls or any of the people from back then? You still, you still kind of uh, reminisce with them or you're in touch with anybody? One of my very, very dearest best friends. Uh, we met there 25 years ago. And quick story about him. He's an amazing fucking guy. He's one of my best friends. He's actually like a brother to me. And uh, I'll just say his first name real quick, Tommy. So Tommy, uh, Tommy and I are still 
in touch almost on a daily basis, very close. Uh, I trust him with my life, and I'm sure he does the same. So he I'm in touch with. A couple of the girls from time to time I speak to, but the ones that I speak to, two in particular, really did change their life. One is becoming a nurse, which is amazing. And, and she was a stand-up hooker when I knew her. And she, she just said, I'm done. I, I'm giving it all up. I'm, I'm going to do this. Saved her money, went to school. I think she's got about another year left of nursing school and she'll be a full-time licensed nurse. You know, I know other girls who got lucky, got married, you know, and moved on, just walked away. But I, I got to ask you, though, if you've done that, how do you completely walk away from that? Mm. Because if you've, if you've gotten over that stigma of being a hooker and you've made up every, every excuse in the book as to why you did it, oh, my rent is due, I don't have this, the car payment, whatever the excuse, and that's fine, whatever you want to do, however you want to cover yourself. It's, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's got to be tough. Got to be tough on them. Yeah. Because at any time they could turn around and go back. Yeah. It could be some, bag, some baggage. You know? But you know, those, oh, those girls, girls also, you know, a lot of them are getting older too. You know, you know, how old were the, how old were those? Have you how, ever how, seen an old stripper? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Okay. We'll talk about old stripper in a second. But the average age, I think it scores was between 18 and probably about 27. Okay. You had a couple of women who were older who kept themselves up very well. But then, like, there was one or two girls there in particular who shouldn't have been there. Because of the and age? they would look the for the older the guys. Ah, yes. The age yes. and things yes. are starting to change. Yeah, right, right, right. Things are starting to, you know, normal life, life shit. Things start yeah. to change. Yeah. And these, there were two in particular, and I remember them very well. All they would do all night is sit at a table with a guy. And hopefully at the end of his dinner, maybe he'd hand them a couple hundred dollars for keeping them company, which I, I, I don't get. I, I just don't understand that. But all right, you've got it. You're lonely. What the fuck? OK, you can you can afford it. But there is a chick that I met who I had known like right after scores. And she's probably in her 30s when she left school. I bump into this girl at a restaurant in Spanish Harlem. She's a hostess. Everything on her has started to change, okay? So what was up top is now dropping down. What was the back is still round, but now is round outward. <laughs> the body changes. Of course. You're not, you can't afford the plastic surgery anymore. You don't have the discipline to go to the gym and try to change it naturally. Sure. You can tell that this girl was a stripper. There's no, there's no way she worked in an office with that kind of physique. Right. She couldn't, she couldn't wear clothes that would possibly make her look presentable <laughs> in that type of scenario. You know, I mean, when you have two basketballs for an ass, listen, you, you, you can't wear a dress or a skirt and be a secretary. It's not going to work. Just right. doesn't look right, right, you know. And everybody's going to be looking at your ass every time you walk in the office. <laughs> I love it, I love it. So, you were also like a trainer. Uh, you you and you still are you still doing yes. that at all? You still doing that? I do it a little bit now. I do it a little bit. I, I enjoy it. I, I like helping people, and I, I like the fact that I'm good at it. People make changes when they work with me. Right. 
So in your no. day, were you? Uh, did you ever think of uh, you know back in the day when like Chippendales and Magic Mike and now all that shit? You ever think of doing that for you when you were uh, working working the clubs? When when I before I went to Scores, I had worked at some other clubs, and when those things closed, that stripper thing was just starting to happen. And I got asked a few times to do some private strip shows with with a, a small group. Like when strippers first started, there was one guy who would get these gigs and book like four or five of his friends to do them right. with them. Exactly. And, you know, you make some money. You know, <clears throat> the only thing is that as a stripper, you can't pick your crowd. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> you might be looking at you like, holy shit, those are two hot broads. And you're walking over to them and sitting behind them are their aunts that are like 400 pounds <laughs> right. and haven't showered in three days. And they want you on top. You know, right. so and, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, you got to oblige. You got to oblige. Absolutely. Well, I got I got to tell you, you got a thousand stories. I know that. And uh, we're just on the yeah. tip. We're just on the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Uh, where you originally from, tell us where you're originally from, because uh, you talked to originally from the Bronx. What part of the Bronx? I, I was I was born in Manhattan at St. Luke's Hospital a long time ago and raised a little bit in Manhattan, then in White Plains, the Bronx. Then back to Los Angeles, which was a nightmare, but I was only there for like two or three years. And while I was in Los Angeles, we would always come back to New York two or three times a year. It was very difficult for me. It was a lot of culture shock, you know, sure. being from New York sure. and going out. Yeah, I, definitely. I, mean, I had a hard time out there. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the food I could alone. never, I could never wait to get back to New York, you know, yeah. whenever. Okay. I, and I had to go to school out there. Right. To get your, uh, what's your, to get your favorite slice? Your favorite slice in New York? There's no slices in California. Bro, I know. Where's your favorite slice? Tacos. Where, where no is slices <laughs> in California. Where's your favorite slice in New York? Where is your, where's Sonny Coates' favorite slice? I, I'm a big Ray's guy. I like Ray's, really? you know? Okay. I like Ray's. Yeah. And crazy thing, when I lived in Los Angeles, I got a job working in the only pizzeria allowed in Beverly Hills. Can you really? dig that? Wow. And it was called, it was called, I'm going to try to remember the name properly, Jacopo's or Jacopo's. Right. All right. And it was a little, little pizzeria right on the corner, like Santa, one of the Santa Monica. California is fucking stupid. They got streets named the same. One is small, <laughs> one is big. So you got a small Santa Monica, big Santa Monica. I don't, I don't get it. Right. But it was right in between one of those on like, believe it or not, I think it was Rodeo Drive or one of those fucking like million dollar streets. Sure, sure. You know, so pizza is always important. So I got one question for you. We usually ask this question always. What was the most pivotal moment in your career? Would you say, you know, what kind of way there was like a fork in the road where, you know, Sonny's going one way. I got to go the other way. And I took this road. I would have to honestly say when my son was born, you know, um, and not necessarily in a positive manner at first, because now I have a responsibility. I have a mouth to feed. That's my son. That's got to come first. So you're no longer important. He's important. Your family's important. Of course. Absolutely. So that was the fork in the road where I said, you know what? Everything now is for this guy. I'm going to break the law. I got to make sure I have an attorney. If I'm going to do this, I got to make sure I got, in other words, I 
wanted to cover every step I took so that if there was any situation, it could be fixed or handled. Right. You know? Absolutely. No, I, I hear you. Well, I got to tell you, it was, uh, it's been amazing talking to you. I mean, I have so many more things that I really want to talk about. We could go on for days, but I will say that we're... Uh, well, then you got to invite me back. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, you yeah I was going to say, back. you know what? We're, gonna, we're planning. I don't want to tell anybody, but we're planning with Sonny. We've got something special that's going to be coming out. We're going to be starting a little bit of a series. And uh, we're not going to give you too much to go on it, but there's going to be something interesting really coming up. Um, any shout outs you want to, you want to any shout out anybody there that might be listening that hopefully say, wow, Sonny Coates, I can't believe you're on here. Just, I'd like to say hi and send my love to, to everybody who I worked with for all those years in those clubs that still know me and is still around. Uh, and a big shout out to my son because he just had a baby. So now Mazel I'm tov. grandpa Mazel Sonny. Mazel Thank you very much, bro. So now again, another fork in the road. For him as well as for me. So let's see where this road takes me now. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, man. God bless. I, I'm I'm glad that you came on. I'm, I mean, some of the stories are, are great. My mind is spinning already. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of psyched. I'm kind of juiced for what's coming, to be completely honest. So uh, everybody, I want you to know Sonny Coates, legendary, legendary at Scores New York City. And many other places, by the way. But we're going to get into them. And by the way, I'm wearing my uh, my Mons Venus Tampa hat. Just Mons Venus. Honor, honor of Sonny. Because I know Sonny knows very well about Mons Venus. That's probably where some of the best vagina in all of the state of Florida is. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you. Sonny pulls no punches. There's no bullshit here. Nothing. It's all on the table. And I, I got to tell you, thanks no. so much, brother, for being here. Just taking a few minutes of the time. Uh, I wish you only the best. Mazel tov to the, being a grandpa. Grandpa Sonny, if those girls could see Grandpa Sonny now, huh? Incredible. Everybody, grind uh, your pivot. Yeah. Amazing. Really amazing. Grind the pivot. Pivotal moments that changed everything. Sonny Coates, straight out of real New York City dude. And uh, we want to say thanks again. Peace. We'll see you soon. Closing doors, please.